It's time for episode 218 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, December 6th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where you can cook minute rice 30 times. I'm your host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing, Micah? Oh, my rice. I've got the brown rice. It takes a little bit longer to cook, but it's so delicious. I'm so excited about all these carbs I'm shoving down yeah. my throat. <laughs> this podcast could probably be done faster than cooking brown rice, in my experience, especially <laughs> yes. if you're like me and you just you burn it a lot. Yeah, exactly. You got to redo the pot like three times. <laughs> this is, of course, the tech podcast where we have two wonderful guests to talk about tech topics. To my left this week, a first timer. We'd like to welcome him to Clockwise, Mr. John Voorhees from Mac Stories. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing, Dan? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. And to my left, uh, it is a returning individual, not a first-timer. It's the one and only Kathy Campbell, the business unicorn herself. How you doing, Kathy? Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing well. Excellent. And as I am today's designated co-host, I'm going to kick things off. Apple Pay Cash is out. My question for you, have you tried it? Will it replace your existing manner of sending cash to other people? What are your thoughts, John? I think kind of maybe. I mean, at this point, it's too early to know for sure. Uh, I do think that it's going to be an issue of familiarity and adoption among people that you know as to whether this really works out and replaces other methods like Square Cash. But I've got two kids in college. And I just view this as a great way to send them money. So I'm going to definitely start out with them. Uh, there are a couple, so far, the only people I've sent any money to are Ryan Christoffel, one of our writers, when he was working on a story about Apple Pay Cash. And I think I sent a dollar to Stephen Hackett just for, for kicks. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, there are a couple things I think that make this a lot better, and I think we'll get even broader adoption. And and that's if you is if you can attach two bank accounts to this. It would be really nice if you, say, run your own business, if you could have a business account and a personal account so you could pay business expenses, but also pay a friend back for a trip to a restaurant. And the other one I'd like to see is international adoption because, for instance, Federico Vitici and I send money back and forth between the U.S. and Italy pretty frequently, and it would be really nice if we could just open up iMessage and shoot the money out that way instead of using the more cumbersome uh, methods that we use today. Uh, it's interesting. The first person that I sent Apple Pay cash to was uh, Stephen Hackett as well. Um, so maybe maybe we've all sent Apple Pay cash to Stephen Hackett. I'm not <laughs> sure. We'll see. Uh, I quite enjoy Apple Pay uh, cash. It's it's a great setup process and it's built right into the phone which means that while venmo and and square cash and some of the other ones may require you know special linking with the bank account that involves depositing you know two cents and seven cents and then reporting that later and blah 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 uh it's a little complicated and that means that whenever you're trying to find a way to easily send uh, money to your family, instead of having to like write a check and putting it, put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and then send it in the mail, ugh, like an animal, uh, this is so much easier. So <laughs> I uh, am excited about 
Apple Pay Cash for that reason. Um, however, my main sort of money back and forth system has been Square Cash up to this point, but I can't get my family on board with that. So hopefully they'll jump on board Apple Pay Cash. I have not used Apple Pay Cash, but apparently I need to start by sending <laughs> Stephen money, which I'm okay with uh, as long as he sends it back. But uh, I also don't really pay people via, f I think I have a Venmo account because I've used it once uh, with a bunch of other nerds out at a meal to pay them back. Um, but other than that, most of my local friends are not techy, so it would be very difficult to try and convince them to do anything like this. So I, I just use actual regular cash like an animal. <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I tried it out. I sent a dollar to Lex Friedman. He later sent me a dollar and one cent back. Uh, <gasps> Monster. Well, because, and I, this is the thing is I used to accidentally use my credit card because I used my work credit card um, to send him a dollar and it charged me the 3% transaction right. fee. So I'm still out two cents somewhere. <laughs> Um, I think it's really interesting. I think, John, great points about the international part, because if anybody can solve that problem, I feel like it's probably Apple. Uh, they have rolled Apple Pay out into a bunch of different countries. And so in theory, maybe that helps sort of uh, grease the wheels a little bit. I think the biggest challenge, I mean, this is certainly not a challenge for the adoption of Apple Pay necessarily in its, of itself, but the biggest problem for me in terms of adopting it as my, you know, and one true payment solution is that, of course, it's not cross-platform. So if I have to send money to somebody right. who doesn't use an iOS device, and there are a few of them, um, then it's kind of a non-starter there. But, I mean, as we've seen with iMessage, the fact that you can sort of build a parallel system that works just for iOS users, there's no problem with that whatsoever. I'm sure that the millions upon millions of iOS users will gladly embrace Apple Pay Cash. So uh, I think it's interesting. The built-in uh, part of it is certainly a huge, huge leg up. Uh, and I think we'll we'll see some interesting developments with this in the future. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from John. Sure. I want to ask everybody a question about the latest dust-up between Google and Amazon. Uh, Google has once again pulled YouTube out of the Echo Show product, and it's been reported that uh, that YouTube is going to no longer be available on the Fire TV either as of January 1st. I've got a two-part question for everybody. It is... Who needs who more, Amazon or Google? And what, what's preventing Google from doing the same sort of thing and demanding that, say, Apple sell a Pixel 2 in its stores in order to have YouTube on the iPhone and the Apple TV? Well, you get one question and one follow up. So I'm not. No. Uh, I this is this is a really good question. Because um, I started to think about, yeah, who does need who more? Does Amazon need Google or, or vice versa? I think that uh, certainly a product becomes more valuable if you can access the content that you want to access on it. And so if, for you, if that is, you know, YouTube videos, which I think is the case for a lot of um, younger generations, especially love to watch a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, that is something that sort of lessens the experience of the Amazon Fire TV, which I've heard otherwise is a really great system to use. Um, as far as the Echo Show goes, I'm still very perplexed by the that whole product. So the, the fact that YouTube isn't there doesn't affect me so much. But I think, you know, there's certainly a back and forth and Google 
needs Amazon for for certain reasons as well, including uh, advertising revenues and, and things like that. But when it comes to Amazon, I think really they, it rather, the, the company is hurt a little bit more by not having YouTube there. Uh, whether Google will do this to Apple, I, I doubt it because it's just such a big player in the space. And if it was like Apple cannot have the YouTube app anymore, I think that Google is just losing out on money there. That, that seems like something that would be, uh, that, that, that would be a bad move for Google more so than this whole Amazon thing. I agree on that second part specifically. Um, Google definitely needs Apple more than Apple needs Google, which is why Google is willing to share YouTube. Additionally, Google and Apple aren't really competitors. Um, other than like the Pixel 2 versus all of the iPhones. I mean, people that want the Pixel 2 or people that don't use the Apple ecosystem. Um, and so I don't really see them as competitors so much as Google and Amazon. But even then, Amazon and Google are, are different conglomerate, megalo, whatever. Wow, my <laughs> words are really awesome today. I'm so sorry, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have these three huge companies that are trying so hard to remain huge um, that they start losing the purpose of being their company, um, trying to have this gigantic umbrella that covers everything. Um, so really, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years if they decide, okay, I'm going to let so-and-so do this, like the Echo Show, for whatever reason, becomes an important piece of their marketing strategy and being sad that there's no YouTube on it versus the TV, fire TV. I don't know. It's, it's all big business that just makes my head hurt and obviously <laughs> makes my word fails. <laughs> yeah. This is all, you know, corporate games, of corporate chicken basically happening here. Uh, I agree that I think, um, it, first of all, it's not likely to happen. Uh, it's not likely that Google will make the same demands on Apple. Uh, because as was pointed out, um, iOS is just such a huge platform that YouTube would kind of be shooting itself in the foot. I mean, certainly you could still use the web browser, but I think Apple would be happy to let Google walk if they felt like they were going to get... I mean, they certainly would be happy to let Google walk before they started putting Pixel smartphones in Apple stores. Uh, <laughs> I think they would have zero problems with that. They'd be like, no, that's all right. We don't need YouTube that much. Um, as far as Amazon and Google, I think Amazon probably needs Google more because as Micah said, the 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 content is kind of king. And at this point, I don't think that the Fire TV platform is big enough to take a substantial chunk out of it, especially because a lot of people have other options, whether it be buying a different set-top box like Roku or the Apple TV, or whether it's just like the smart apps built into your own television, right? Like a lot of those mm -hmm. probably have YouTube apps. Yeah. So again, why do you have to bother with Amazon? So I think Amazon probably needs YouTube access a lot more than Google needs to be there. As far as like the other part of this chess, which is like people not, you know, Amazon not selling Google products and not selling Apple products. Some of these are a little ridiculous because Amazon threw a fit over, you know, we're not going to sell set-top devices that don't support Prime Video. And it's like, that's... 
that's on you, man. Like, right. <laughs> they, they could support it if you make it. I mean, that's that's just if a very strange it. decision. So, yeah, I think um, I think Amazon is probably uh, maybe trying to punch above its weight here. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Dan. I, and I do think that Google wins this fight at the end of the day. Uh, YouTube is really a key ingredient to any set-top box. And Amazon really, I don't think, can afford, especially on the Fire TV, if they want that to grow, to not have have uh, YouTube on it. The other thing is, is that, you know, if you're Amazon, you lose this fight. What's what's the problem? And what what, what ends up happening is you get YouTube and you, you can sell Google products on your store. I mean, you're making money. So I, I think at the end right. of the day, Amazon is is motivated to cave here. In terms of of what it would be like if Google tried this with Apple, I think the key ingredient that Apple has that Amazon doesn't is the iPhone. I mean, it is iOS, right? You've got iPads and iPhones, and Google makes an extraordinary amount of advertising revenue by pushing advertisements through Safari and other avenues on the iPhone. And without that, I think that they would have a they would take a significant hit compared to what you know they're looking at in terms of not having YouTube, as you said, Dan, having you know having YouTube on Amazon's products where people have alternatives to use that and all sorts of other things, whether it's a smart TV or an alternate tablet or whatever. Yeah, well, that's a it's a tough topic. All right, that is two topics down, which means it's halftime, which means it's time for Micah to tell us all about this week's sponsor. I am so pumped to tell you all about Away. Away is a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers, and that's why they have made the smart premium suitcases for under $300 so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. And what do you need most while you're traveling? Hmm? Well, let me tell you, it's more battery. When you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel, and both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. If you go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise now and browse Away's suitcases, they're all made with premium German polycarbonate. That's a hard thing to say, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. And guess what? It's still lightweight. You can get a perfect size and color for everyone on your list this holiday season. Or if you don't know which one they want, you can just get an Away gift card and they can make up their mind then. There's a lifetime guarantee and a hundred day trial. So if they don't like it, they can go ahead and send it back. I am in love with my Away suitcase, not because of the obvious thing, which is the charger, but it is because it comes with this little uh, laundry bag that you can put your dirty clothes in so that <laughs> that way it's it's out of the way. It's not with your regular clothes because I would end up using like an ice bag to put my dirty clothes in at the end of the trip. This one comes with one. It's so cool. Away believes in the quality of their products, and that's why there's a lifetime guarantee and a hundred day trial with a no questions asked return policy. So travel smarter with the suitcases that charges your phone. You're going to go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise and use the code clockwise at checkout to get $20 off any suitcase. That's awaytravel.com slash clockwise with the code clockwise for $20 off. Thank you, Away, for your support of Relay of our show and Relay FM. That's halftime. And you guess what, Micah? 
Whoa, it's my turn again. Uh, I have recently been reading about uh, Unicode announcing a beta version of the emoji that will be coming out next. Um, there's supposed to be an option to reverse emoji, so you can have the runner running one way or the other, the squirt gun squirting one way or the other, etc., etc., etc. I'm just curious, uh, as we look at more and more modifiers that we're adding on to each of these characters and adding more and more characters, does is, is there a certain place at which emojis sort of lose their simplicity? I mean, for me, I end up using like one or two pretty regularly and the rest don't get used. So do these new options interest you? Do you want to be able to turn your emoji this way and that? Kathy, we'll start with you. Uh, the answer for me is absolutely yes. Um, for example, I put an emoji next to most of my people, uh, important people's names in my phone, um, just for an added little extra je ne sais quoi. And uh, my dad loves to go shooting. So I had the gun, but the direction it was facing meant that it was shooting at his name, which is kind of intimidating and not the nicest thing at all. Uh, so I ended up changing it to something else. But it would have been so much easier if it could just flip around. Um, although it makes me wonder if Siri would read it out as like, gun facing left, gun facing right, or whatever the options would be. But you know what? They're fun. And there's meant to be fun. And adding more options like this makes me excited. Yeah, I'm okay with more options, but I do think that it's gotten exceedingly complex. I mean, and I still miss not having a, a search bar in the emoji Ugh. on iOS, which seems totally ridiculous yes. to me because it's so hard to find things, and especially for me when I'm trying to like insert like a country flag and it's like, is this the right country flag? I have to like <laughs> Google it and I have to like stroll through. Ugh, it's such a mess. Um, but I get your point, Micah. Like when you start adding all these different features, does it start feeling less like a uh, like a cool like silly fun thing and more just like now i'm working really hard to make sure all my emoji are doing exactly what i want to do because i'm constructing elaborate hieroglyphics um and i think it depends on the experience right like i think it depends how apple implements this if it ends up being something that really is additive and doesn't detract from the way that we already use emoji i think most people will probably be in favor of it but if it really ends up becoming more and more complex to the point where just trying to do a simple thing with emoji is really hard um and you have to make all these choices now i think you'll find a lot of people just sort of maybe you know rolling eyes emoji yeah, I, I think that there's definitely an issue. There's a trade-off here between simplicity and fun. But I don't think the fun goes entirely away by being able to flip your emoji around. I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to flip that water pistol around and have the water actually point in the right direction? I mean, come on. It's it's just it's just <laughs> annoying when you when you try to use that now. And and in that sense, I think it really does kind of lend emoji to be more of a language that allows you to express yourself more accurately than you might otherwise if you can flip those around. But I do think the key is that as this becomes more complex, that platforms need to do a better job of making it more functional and easy to use. And on, for instance, on Apple, Dan, you already mentioned uh, having a search bar in iOS. Mac OS, it's even worse. I mean, you can get the character viewer up, but unless you're searching by the exact official name of the emoji, you're yeah. not going to find it. And if you type in pistol, it doesn't come up. You have to type water pistol in order to get it to come up which is no good, no good at all. And this is one of those places it'd be perfect for the touch bar, right? You could have it work just like it does on iOS, where I type 
pistol and it actually shows in the touch bar a picture of the pistol but it doesn't do that now so i i think that uh apple and other platform vendors need to do a little bit better job of of surfacing the emoji so that they are easier for people to use excellent answers all around yeah i guess that that would be in the end the thing that bothers me the most is how difficult it is to get to the emoji that i end up wanting to use um and maybe that would help sort of fix things because having to sort of hold down and swipe between skin tones i just think that there may be a better way of 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 doing these selections and making these changes uh and i think a really good example is how slack does if if you choose to use skin tones with your emoji how slack does the skin tone modifier option just once and then all of them are the the right skin tone per your choice uh versus in uh, ios where i have to go through and do each one individually to to set it correctly so there's just some it seems to be sort of a second thought type thing but we know that emoji drive updates for ios so i think apple should pay a little bit closer attention to the experience there all right thank you all for your answer on that one let's go to kathy for the last question all right, so we're getting towards the end of the year, and it's a time where we start thinking about the future, um, whether it's next year or the next five years, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been 10 years since the iPhone came out. What will we be looking back on when we look at where the iPhone is now in another 10 years? Remember those headphone jack things? How quaint were those? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, 10 years out from now, I think we will be amazed at some of the things the the some of the things that seem archaic. And the headphone jack I think is part of that, but I also think things like the home button, right? Like we've just now gotten to this point with the iPhone 10 where the home button has gone away and we're navigating using gestures. I think that's going to become a lot more prevalent and a lot more natural. Um I also think it's going to be interesting to see how the iPhone branches out into it's communications with other devices. Like we have the Apple Watch now, right? And that talks to the iPhone and it's sort of an ancillary device. I don't think that's the last thing that Apple's going to do in the wearable space, certainly. Um, and so it might be interesting to think about how, you know, looking back, we had one single device we used a lot of things for instead of sort of a more distributed network of devices. But um, yeah, all in all, I mean, it's hard to say. It's it's one of those things where does the phone just keep evolving slowly for the next decade? Or are we waiting for some other major ground shift to happen? And we will look back and just think, oh, a phone in your pocket. How silly that idea was. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to agree, Dan. I, I think that when you look back over a full decade, things do tend to look old and quaint and, and old-fashioned. And one of the things that I think now that we're just seeing the start of that might look old-fashioned in 10 years is augmented reality. I mean, what we've got now is really cool, but also super rudimentary. I mean, most of the apps that implement AR are mo- are basically nice demos, and I don't think we've fully realized what's going to happen with AR. And I really don't think it's necessarily going to be, in the end, something that's even uh, predominantly on your phone, maybe in glasses or some other kind of product. Um, I-, I also just feel like overall we'll become less and less reliant on these glass rectangles that we carry around with us all day, right? I mean, that kind of goes to your point, Dan, is that we have the Apple Watch now and we have other devices. And over time, I think some of the the functionality as those things become more powerful will be adopted by the watch and there'll be less demand made of the actual phone itself. And then finally, I think the notch actually is going to look old-fashioned when it's when all said and done. I mean, we've mm, got an mm. iPhone 10 now and I'm I'm not a person who's bothered by the notch. But I do think that we look at it now and, and 
when we're in 10 years unfolding the paper sh- paper thin sheet of of glass that is our iPhone that notch and the fact that this thing is kind of heavy and thick are are going to seem really old fashioned you can't see me but i have my arms crossed and i'm giving you the stink eye john because you took both of <laughs> oh, my sorry, answers <laughs> I think uh, AR, augmented reality, absolutely. We're going to say, what? That's all we were doing with that stuff back then? How quaint, Uh, as well as the fact that we're working with these glass and metal slabs. And uh, I think in the future, yes, I think they will be built into our glasses, will be built into um, displays in our house and that kind of thing uh, versus what we have now. So I really don't have much to add because those would be the things that I think are the the next sort of iteration uh, for any tech device that we use. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if the iPhone would even still be a thing um, or if it would become something completely different that we have no idea even exists. Um, You look at the difference between the first iPhone and the iPhone 10 and they barely look like the same thing um to the point where who knows what will happen in even five years or let alone 10 um i like the idea of the paper thin thing or something that just exists you know we all have necklaces that or attachments behind our ears very doctor who-esque the the world is our oyster let's see what magic apple works Ah, the smart oyster. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Uh, That is four topics down, but I believe we have just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, Micah, who is our sponsor for this week's bonus topic? Beep, 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 beep. This episode is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero has the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection throughout your house, all the way to the backyard if you want it. And now is the best time to get on board with Eero because they've just released their new super slick second-generation devices. That second-generation Eero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, so that's twice as fast as it was before. It sits flat on any surface. You just plug it into the wall with a power adapter and you're ready to connect to Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. There's even a new thread radio so that those future low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, and more can get connected. They've also got the Eero Beacon. You plug it into a wall and it adds coverage to any room. You can add as many as you want to your Eero and there's even a built-in LED nightlight with an ambient light sensor. That is my favorite thing about the Eero is the fact that it has, I know that seems so silly, but the beacons have nightlights and that means when I turn (laughs) off my lights in the kitchen, I've got a nice little nightlight there. It's like, yeah, I lost one plug, but at least I get a night light and friggin fast wi-fi so the new Eero system starts at 399 dollars for one second generation Eero and two beacons that's a setup that i have and that's everything that you need to get started listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the u.s or canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code clockwise that's Eero.com with the promo code clockwise for free overnight shipping we thank you, Eero, for your support of this show. Dan, what is our bonus topic? All right, really quick. The Holiday Music Moratorium has been broken. What song is on heavy repeat for you, John? Oh, I love holiday music, and the goofier the better. So I'm going to go with a song by Guster called Donde Esta Santa Claus. It's a great little catchy song that gets caught in your head, and, and I play it over and over. 
uh, my go-to is always and forever will be Nat King Cole, The Christmas Song. I just love it. Uh, My tradition is uh, the NSYNC Christmas album and specifically Merry Christmas, (laughs) Happy Holidays. Love it. Uh, and I'm going to go with too many bells. Please stop the bell. So many bells can't take the bells. Okay. Do love, do love me some Carol the Bells. Well, thank you for that. Now I've got plenty of things to uh, add to my playlist here. And we've reached the end of the show. So all that remains is to thank our two fantastic guests. John Voorhees, thanks so much for your uh, being here on your first time. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Kathy Campbell, thanks for coming back. Thanks for asking me. And Micah, thank you, as always, for being here and and giving me some more Christmas music. Dan, thank you for being a friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we have time for. We'll be back next week. But until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the bells. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) 